Welcome into the Orange and Blue News podcast, guys. We have had a crazy day in college sports, probably one of the biggest days in college sports history with USC and UCLA announcing and it now being official that they are joining the Big Ten come August 2nd, 2024. We have a loaded crew here to break it all down. We have Doug Bouchon and John Supini, of course, from Orange and Blue News, as well as myself, Alec Bussey. We've got Tom Dearnhart from our Purdue site, and then we have even a Nationals person in Clint Cosgrove ready to help us out. Guys, this news was wild to me. I'm sure it was wild to everyone else. Um, when it first came across my Twitter timeline, I was like, there's no way this is true. There was no rumors. Clint, as a national person, did you have any ideas of this happening or what was your reaction when it came across your Twitter timeline this afternoon or this morning? Man, I was in the car, and so uh, it actually came through on our national group text, and I said, this is a joke, right? And um, I, I, I didn't believe it because I didn't know if it was because I've been in my own recruiting world, and that's what I've been focusing on, but I still talk to coaches day in and day out, and this is the first time that it has ever came up. I, I, I thought it was a joke at first, and then obviously then I open up the, the articles, and I start reading more into it, and um, yeah, I was shocked. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't, I, I don't picture myself as being that old, but as a old school, big 10 PAC 12, you know, Rose bowl guy, um, it kind of threw me for a loop and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where this is going. I think it can go a number of different directions. I think if you looked at what the future of college football was going to be, it was going to be a couple, you know, major power, power conferences with multiple teams. So from that aspect, it doesn't surprise me, but the timing and the teams uh, definitely, definitely threw me off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, um, I, I think, I think we, we kind of knew this was coming, didn't we? Um, I think there have been a lot of speculation and conjecture for over a year. Um, you know, if the Big Ten was going to really make a move, it was going to have to be a move that really moved the needle. And there were only a handful of schools that were really going to move the needle. And one of those was USC. But it just did seem a little far-fetched to think the Big Ten would really stretch its border that far west. But here we are, guys, right? Um, not just, uh, obviously, USC, but UCLA, too. And, you know, fellas, it always gets back to money in life, doesn't it? And the money is going to get crazy in the Big Ten now we, with these TV contracts in the future, right? You're going to have some of the biggest TV markets in America um, firmly planted in Big Ten territory with Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I mean, millions of people at these Big Ten schools that have just massive enrollments and huge alumni bases. I mean, you know, and they're not done, guys, right? You, you, you've read what I've read today. Uh, the Big Ten probably isn't done, and neither is the SEC, and that's where the speculation gets more fun, right? Uh, to me, that the top two targets if I'm the Big Ten, if I can get Notre Dame and I can get like North Carolina, that's huge. And I'm looking at Washington and Oregon. So it'd be fun to see what you guys think maybe the Big Ten's next move is and and uh, how it could really look in the future. Yeah, the, the first thing I thought of when I saw this, you know, I'm I, like you guys, I was expecting um, something to come down the pike and it was going to be major because we, we see where the game's going, we see where college athletics is, are, are going. And, but the first thing I thought of is a school like Illinois, to me, Illinois just fell a couple rungs down the ladder. They got some 
They got a, a football program in, in USC that's, that's going to push Illinois down. They've got a, a basketball team that's going to that Illinois can play with, but it's going to be another another big competitor. I just see Illinois. You know, they're going to be restructuring everything, and it's going to be interesting to see who goes where. Like like you guys are talking, but it's going to see how how teams kind of shake out and and who's got strengths in one area and not the other area. But, you know, to me, like a team like Illinois, sure, the money's going to be better, but mm -hmm. the competition and the, 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 the degree of difficulty is going to be harder. So it's, to me, it's a brave new world for some of these schools. Um, you know, to me, you, you see like Illinois and Purdue, I think they're, they, they're, they're pretty similar in, in what they can do and what they shoot for. Uh, it's just going to be a, uh, not like a relegation thing where teams are moving up and down, but even when they recirculate and get these super leagues going, there's going to be, there's still going to be movement, con continuous movement of people going for more money and people going for different things. And even like Josh Whitman said earlier this week, it's going to be interesting to see who your, who your bedfellows are, who you're going to be hanging with. And it's, I think there's changes. that's going to be, is going to keep rolling for the next, I don't know how long continuously, maybe. My first reaction as an old school Big Ten guy was was about the geography of it. Uh, and then I thought about it for a few minutes and, and I was like, you know, geography doesn't make any difference in today's uh, college sports world. It's a, it's a smaller world now. Uh, the Big Ten goes from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. And you have to think about these conferences as television networks. And, and I started thinking back to the the days of uh, Dave Gavitt, I don't know if you guys remember, but he was the founder of the Big East Conference. And that completely changed the landscape of college sports. And it's taken from the 80s until we are now in, in 2022 to really reach uh, what they started back there with the, the TV, basically a television conference in the Big East, a basketball conference. And, and uh, now you start thinking about, uh, and I was talking with Alec about this, you start thinking about rather than divisions, you start thinking about pods in, uh, in the conference. And, and you start thinking about trying to get bigger and getting to 20 so you can have four different divisions broke out by a region. And that, that would make a lot more sense. You could play three or four regional games within your division. Then you could play three or four uh, uh, interdivisional games and then some non-conference games. And that, that would make a lot more sense than just throwing everybody into one big pot and trying to figure out, you know, a, a schedule for everybody because then, you, then you're getting into bowl games are going to be selected based on strength of schedule. You know, it's going to be so difficult to, for everybody to have the same same schedule every year as far as the strength of schedule. So um, this is this is nowhere near done. I think these first two teams are just the very beginning for the Big Ten Conference. They're going to try to get to 20, and they're going to try to split it off by by different divisions or, or what have you. And uh, like Tom was talking about, like North Carolina and Duke, uh, well, you can't get one without the other. I don't. They're not going to leave. North Carolina is not going to leave without Duke, but that that that's those are two cash cows there. Duke is not a good football school, but the North Carolina would bring them along. I think another ACC school they're going to look at is Virginia. Uh, it's a good academic school. It fits the profile in the Big Ten. Good at basketball. Pretty good at football. And then uh, Washington and if they can pull off Washington and Oregon, yeah. I mean that's major. That that's just tons of tons more dollars coming in to the Big Ten. Again, you don't think of Washington since the 80s as highly competitive in football, but that's for some reason that school brings in a ton of money for the Pac-12 conference. So they're they're going to go really hard after those two schools, and 
I wouldn't be surprised if we hear something within the next day or two on Washington and Oregon. Guys, I think there's so many different things we can talk about, and all of you guys seem to hit on different topics here that I think we should all talk about. But I kind of want to shift this a little bit towards the media rights kind of situation, which a few of you guys said on Doug did most recently there. Um, guys, I read on Twitter today, and I think it's pretty obvious, right, that the Big Ten was negotiating a new media rights deal, obviously with Fox, with ESPN, CBS, NBC, and maybe even some of our favorite streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu. And at first we kind of expected to have a deal for that in Memorial Day weekend in the spring. And it never happened. It was kind of odd. It was like, why ha- why don't they have this yet? And negotiations and every reporting from national people, whether it was at ESPN or the athletic, they're both very plugged into those things, obviously kind of stopped. And it was just odd. And there's a lot of rumors. And then I think today we kind of maybe realized why those rumors stopped and I think you're now looking at the big time potentially being able to double their TV revenue distributions of mid fifties. So maybe looking at over a hundred million dollars of school. And I think that's really where you're seeing this movement in college sports with Texas and Oklahoma summer ago, moving to the sec and the value that that brings to the sec into those schools is much greater than what it was in the big 12. And now you're seeing the same thing with UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten. Guys, what does the money represent in this move, in your opinion, with these schools going to a conference that's around 2,000 miles away or whatever it is, closest school to them being Nebraska, obviously? Uh, We can start with you again, Clint. Yeah, so for me, the first thing that I thought about when I heard this is I'm thinking of it from a player and coach's perspective, and I'm thinking time zones. Um, you know, traditionally the big 10, you're playing 11 AM games. And when the East coast got involved with the big 10 outside of Penn state, obviously when you got Maryland and Rutgers and, um, you know, that's, that's an hour difference. Uh, now I'm, you're spanning from East coast to West coast. So I started thinking about time zones, but at the end of the day, um, I mean, it comes down to money. And I read that, I think the PAC 12, uh, their TV deals, what, 340 something million last year versus the Big Ten, 680 million. Um, and they're talking just with the addition of UCLA and USC over a billion dollar TV deal. Okay. So, uh, like everybody touched on with the NIL, um, you know, just the, the different TV rights and everything like that. This is coming down to money. We, we saw it down, coming down the pipeline. I just don't know if we saw it coming this soon. And so the biggest questions I have is kind of what you guys have talked about. Who's next? Um, you know, UCLA and USC, obviously big market programs. So you cover almost every big market across the nation within the Big Ten um, outside of, you know, obviously the big Texas markets right now. Those are going to the SEC. Um, but I think who's next? And you look at uh, Cincinnati, they're in a position to go into the Big 12. They're finally in a Power 5 conference. Central Florida, they're going to a Power 5 conference. And then all of a sudden, two power, power conferences emerge. Two Super uh, Leagues. <laughs> yeah, Super Leagues. And we knew it was coming, but like, did we know it was coming this quick? So my question is, what does Cincinnati's deal look like with the Big 12? Um, because it just makes too much sense to add a team like them to the Big Ten. Uh, you know, obviously, market-wise, you talk about North Carolina, Duke, uh, um, you know, uh, all of those schools. 
But I start thinking, you know, who else is going to come? If the Big Ten's actually trying to get to 20 and they pride themselves on being, you know, kind of the academic of the group, you know, Notre Dame makes sense. But does Notre Dame want to give up uh, their exclusive? I mean, at the end of the day, Notre Dame's deal, <laughs> the reason they've remained independent is because they were financially able to do that due to their exclusive TV deal. And so to me, the next step is, uh, you know, who's next? What do these contracts look like? Um, it's going to affect the recruiting game. It's going to affect the coaching game. And now we talk about unlimited coaching staffs. When you have the power, power conferences, um, the landscape is going to change so much. And I believe 2024 is the year this is happening. But uh, there's a lot that happened between now and then. And there's just so much speculation. We don't know, at least I don't know, what is going on behind closed doors. Um, you know, like you said, the the other networks, they've stopped reporting on it. Um, and I think it was kind of a wait and see approach. And now we're seeing what's happening and it's going to be very interesting. Tom, before yeah. we go to you real quick, I do want to comment. Um, the LA times has commented or recently reported that no other PAC 12 schools have, or expect should expect to be accepted into the big 10 at this time. And that hmm. Oregon, Washington and Stanford aren't going to be following USC and UCLA. Doug and Tom, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because I think there was a lot of expectation that the Big Ten might have interest in Oregon and Washington. And Doug, you specifically commented on how big Oregon's brand has become. I mean, in my life, I'm just 22 years old at this point, And Oregon football has been one of the most successful, biggest brands for people my age to follow. And they're a large brand and they obviously have a very successful basketball program and they're close to Portland. Well, Oregon would be a great addition. And, you know, they're um, and the thing I like about Oregon is they're kind of a, a model for a program like Illinois that we cover when it comes to trying to be an upstart program. I mean, you look at the traditional programs in the conference: Michigan, Ohio State, yada yada yada. Uh, Oregon just really just started uh, in the '90s, uh, becoming a, a, a national program, and and uh, you know you bring a a team like that into the big 10 it's it's a model for a program like illinois to follow but um clint was talking about notre dame notre dame is going to be part of this discussion every single time the, the big 10 expands and what, one thing i would say about that is when you add usc to the big 10 and now you have michigan michigan state and usc in the big 10 conference three opponents that notre dame plays ever who has the the scheduling leverage right so notre dame notre dame needs to schedule good teams to uh, to to get in the college football playoff. They, they saw what can happen to them and they can get bumped if they don't have a good enough strength to schedule. And, and now USC can say, well, well, you know, we'll play you, but you got to come to the Big Ten Conference. Um, that, that's a lot of leverage for, uh, for them to have. And and um, there's a lot of money to be had if you do make the college football playoff. So I think there is that in the, that's uh, NBC contract that Clint was talking about. It's a lot of money. But I, th I think there's a lot more incentive now to add a Notre Dame, and that's really the first – that's the first school that the Big Ten should call. Yeah, I, Notre Dame, I mean, they, they don't seem to be sitting in a real position of power, I think, like Doug was alluding to here. Uh, why would you want to stay tethered to the ACC anyway? I mean, it's a conference. It seems like it's circling the drain. Um, I think we mentioned earlier about – I don't think it's crazy to speculate Clemson, Florida State, and Miami probably ending up in the SEC. I mean, you take those schools out of that league and there, there's nothing. Then you got North Carolina, which 
I think we all agree is probably in the crosshairs of the Big Ten. Um, and there's Georgia Tech. It's another uh, something Atlanta. that the Big Ten could, could, could plant a flag in Atlanta. Um, I think Georgia Tech was on the Big Ten's radar when all this came up a few years ago, too. It fits the Big Ten's profile in a lot of ways. and would give you another huge media market, obviously, right in Atlanta. The other big media market, although, although you said, you said, Alec, that no other Pac-12 schools are going to follow suit, huh? That's what that is what's reporting. being reported right now by the LA Times. So wow. that's obviously something that's of interest to a lot of people. Man, I, we'll, we'll see. I guess we'll see. I find that hard to believe. If you're Washington or Oregon, you're going to sit there and go down with that Pac-12 ship when you could become part of this growing conglomerate. And I guess that's that's the next phase, right? I mean, today's news, I never would imagine 24 hours ago that I'd be on a Zoom call with you guys talking about <laughs> USC and UCLA going to Big Ten, but here we are. It shows you how crazy life can be, right? But today, uh, today everything is off the table. It's, it's every man for themselves, every conference for themselves. When did, when did the Big Ten and the SEC finders come together, right, and form an NFL type of a league? So when are we going to get a commissioner? I mean, this thing has, has gained a lot of momentum today. The reshaping of college football in particular gained a lot of momentum. And so it's an exciting time and it's a scary time. And uh, there's musical chairs going on, guys. And there's some schools when the music stops, they're not going to have a seat. Uh, and, that, and that's what's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the sport looks like as well. Can I jump in real quick with that? The, yeah. To me, the, the fate of the Pac-12 uh, relies on wh whether they can um, form some kind of partnership with the Big 12 and then maybe look to two yeah. or three teams at the top of the Mountain West. That That's... That, that's how the how the Pac-12 is going to survive, and it, you know, in my there was opinion. talk today. There was talk today about Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Cal going to the Big Twelve. If well, that happened, you know, you know, Clint, to your point about Phoenix, I, I don't think Arizona State fits the academic profile of the Big Ten. No, I'm a grad. I'm a grad. I can uh, <laughs> I can attest to that. I started uh, I started out at Wisconsin and fans, ended up at Arizona State. <laughs> Arizona Arizona's in the AAU, I think. But Arizona State is not, for whatever that's worth. I'm just parroting what the Big Ten always tells you, right? And the schools we talked about, USC, Oregon, Cal, which would get you in the Bay Area, right? I don't know if you want Stanford. You want Stanford? I just take Cal as the state school. You already have Northwestern. You don't need another small private school with no real alumni base or, or national appeal. So no, wait a minute. Anyway. Everybody, but everyone would be looking forward to to the annual Stanford Northwestern game. You can get that. <laughs> the brain ball. in the big time. The brain ball. Get some alliteration in there. What, what, what do you I, think, John? What I think we need to remember is, I mean, we're talking about schools, but what what um, what the Big Ten has showed us in, in all these expansions, it's about TV markets to them, and it's about money. And mm -hmm. so you, you look at the TV markets that they got today. They got the biggest one west of the Mississippi, and um, like Tom's talking. Georgia Tech would be an awesome one to grab because that's that's a huge TV market down there and getting Atlanta, getting LA and sure what the LA Times is reporting but this isn't done. I'm not I'm not discounting any other team from the Pac-12. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a, a, a Washington or an Oregon or one of the Cal Cal or Stanford mm -hmm. and you got to add a couple of those teams because some some of these teams need somebody to beat. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised with, with who knows, um, anybody, you know, 
the West Coast, you've got, you got the market that you really needed, but you still got Washington, you got Seattle, you got San Francisco. Those are huge TV markets. So the, back, the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have always had uh, a brotherhood. I don't think that's done yet. And I see the impetus for the Big Ten is about TV markets, not about similar schools. And one thing I got to say is Kevin, Kevin Warren took some bashing the last few years, but he kept this quiet and he scored a big win today. I mean, that was, that was pretty impressive. Johnny, one, one question, Alec, Alec, one question I have for the group is, is, is there a concern about the actual product? Because, because the, one of the most marketable things about the college football product is the pageantry. It's the atmosphere at the stadium. So with all the focus on television and to, I know in this new world, a lot, a lot because of COVID, we think about virtual everything. Uh, but um, is there a concern that um, they're going after this TV revenue and not considering enough the butts in the seats and the environment at the stadium? I guess I can jump yeah. in on that first because I, I think I may have a different perspective on this than a lot of people do. And as someone who covers Illinois, I was texting with one of my friends today. I was like, from an Illinois football perspective, would you rather watch Illinois play number 22 ranked Purdue and West Lafayette, or would you rather watch Illinois play number 22 ranked USC in the Coliseum in Los Angeles? And in my opinion, like that's a really easy question to answer. <laughs> what are you saying? Tom, you're saying you're like, Tom, like I understand there's a cannon there to be fought for, but like, I don't think very many Illinois fans care much about that cannon. I don't think very many Purdue fans care that much about that cannon. They both want to go to the Coliseum and be a traditional college ball power in USC, right? Like, I think that there's aspects of the pageantry and the rivalries that might go away in college sports, but there are certain aspects of it that are really entertaining with this new world that we're moving into. I think I personally am really interested to see Texas and Tennessee play. Maybe that's not as exciting as, you know, Texas and Alabama every year, right? But like, I think that's more entertaining, in my opinion, than watching Texas play Kansas state. And that's not to be disrespectful to Kansas state. If anyone listening to this is a big Kansas state fan, but that's just not something I'm as interested in. I'm more interested in seeing these big brands play against each other, being able to watch Ohio state and USC play every year. That's awesome. Being able to bring UCLA to Bloomington, Indiana for a basketball game in January. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Those things are really fun. And I think a lot of fans will quickly develop an interest in watching those games. Yeah. Yeah, really. Fresh faces, right, Alec? Yeah, fresh I just think it's fun. And marquee brands. Um, I agree with you. I mean, um, uh, I, I love rivalries. Familiarity breeds contempt. I love being able to drive to games. I think that really fosters rivalries when you work with people that went to other schools. So you lose some of that when you get spread out. But still, man, like you said, the chance to bring in um, those famed brands, those iconic brands out in L.A. to your – to your Midwestern schools is really exciting. And like, like we've all talked about too, the Big Ten's probably not done. You could have other great brands injected into the Big Ten chemistry too. I'll say this, you guys, Illinois, Purdue, right? I'm Purdue, Illinois. Just having a seat at the table, right? Mm -hmm. Just being part of the party, mm -hmm. having a chair, getting a plate put in front of you, right? If you're, if you're these schools, because, um, like you said earlier, there's some schools, these other leagues that aren't going to be as fortunate. What's going to happen to Oregon State, Washington State, schools that add elk. So, again, um, exciting times for everybody in the Big Ten, and TV people should be happy, and I think fans should be excited too. 
have a question. Um, the Big 12, you know, you, you talk about, you know, them maintaining their presence as a power school. And we look at the schools who could potentially end up in the Big 12. And you mentioned, Tom, uh, Washington State, Oregon State, what happens to them? Mm-hmm. Does the Big 12, with the addition of Cincinnati, with the addition of UCF, do they look at these teams that maybe aren't brought into the SEC or the uh, the Big Ten? Do they look to try to maintain this power conference? Look to maintain, you know, being a, a competitor of these, or do they come the new Mountain West? I mean, where, where do you see this going? I'll take the lead on this if you guys are okay with that. I think the Big Twelve is almost in a spot where they might just have been saved by the big 10 almost think back to what the big 12 is going to be after Texas and Oklahoma left. It's a lot of schools with not a huge brand and not a huge following aside from, you know, Kansas basketball. I know Baylor's built a really quality athletic program. Oklahoma state obviously has a lot of passion um, and it's had a lot of success, but adding Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, Houston, like you kind of said, Clinton, like I think that could be a really fun conference to follow for football But now if you have the opportunity to add the Arizona schools or to add an Oregon or a Washington, if they're not able to find a new home or maybe even Colorado and Utah, like I think now you can kind of look at the Big 12, maybe finding a new way to stay a power conference, because in my opinion, what they were going to fall back on maybe wasn't really being a power conference. In my opinion, I thought that they were going to struggle on a national scene in college football to compete with the SEC and to compete with the top of the Big 10 when it comes to the college football playoff, which I think we should talk about later. But I think the Big 12 is now in a position to where they can maybe stay more relevant than what they were going to just 48 hours ago when they thought they were losing Texas and Oklahoma. I don't know what you think, Doug, on this topic. No, you know, I really don't have a lot to say about it, except for that it's it's crazy that that, that conference has gone from 30 years ago, the Big 8, mm-hmm. one of the power football conferences in in the country to essentially a basketball conference now. And that, that, that uh, complete um, transition is, is just kind of mind boggling to me how that, how, how that happened. Yeah, I mean, um, there was one report today, I'm not, I had another coach repeated to me tonight that there was talk of Kansas going independent in football and joining the Big East for basketball. Have you guys seen or heard mm-hmm. of that? Seemed crazy to me, but I don't want to get off on that tangent. But I like <laughs> that, that one kind of threw me for a loop. But uh, yeah, I mean, what what the, I think the Big 12 is in better shape than the Pac 12 and the ACC. Um, yeah, the, the Pac 12 to me, we'll see again if that, that LA Times report holds out. Uh, if nobody else follows uh, their LA brethren to the Big 10, but then there's the ACC, right, guys? And all eyes are on the SEC. You know, they've got moves plotted. Maybe they already have a move hatched. They're going to announce it. Maybe it's secret. Um, so, yeah, again, um, the Big 12, to me, seems to be in better condition than maybe even the ACC. So, there's uh, just a lot of unknowns at this point, and it's going to be fun to see, again, how this all sorts out and how soon it does get sorted out for that, for that matter. What's interesting is uh, – for all of us old guys, the take that Alec has about he loves these new names, he loves these new rivalries, you know, and you, you talk to people our age, and they're all like, oh, I can't believe that the Big Ten added somebody from California, you know, and it's, it's, it, the world is a lot smaller these days with, with travel and with TV, but it, it's just an interesting 
um, tangent whenever you talk to a, a young man, Alex age about how he would love to see some of these games that we never thought of before. We never even thought of two or three years ago and here it is all happening and, and it's just going to get uh, change is going to get quicker and quicker and quicker. And I, I just to still go back to what happens to teams like Illinois and Purdue, you know, they could be in a, a, in a position where they have to prove themselves to stay with some of these bigger, more powerful, more you know, money-driven places and, and powerful programs. So I don't know what Josh Whitman's thinking. You know, he kind of hinted at it a little bit the other day, but you know, that that's a school that's sitting on a massive athletic department debt and he's going to have to try to keep up with people that have a lot more money already. And he's, it sounds like a scary position to me. Yeah, John, but to me, it's all about who you hire as a coach. You know, <laughs> the, the great programs in college football, they didn't, they just, they started with a great coach and worked and worked from the ground up. You know, one thing I would throw, I would like to throw in is the Big Ten basketball um, has, has been a little bit, wouldn't you agree, has been a little bit overrated the last, the last few years. They, they've gotten in the tournament, they haven't performed very well. Adding a team like UCLA is a, just a huge shot in the arm for Big Ten basketball. I know it's not, it's not the big money maker. It's all about the football money. But UCLA, Michigan, I would turn that game on and watch it. Right, UCLA, Indiana, UCLA, mm-hmm. Illinois. I'd watch all those games, and I, I think that's just a, a huge addition you know, to the Big Ten basketball. I do think we should talk about the impact this has on the college football playoff and maybe even just the bowl structure as a whole, because I do think that's primed to change. Now it, it seemed like it was primed to change for a few months uh, with the, after the move of Texas and Oklahoma to the sec, it seemed to kind of stop when the PAC 12 big 10 and the ACC formed the Alliance that seemed to work out really well for a good 12 months after they looked each other in the eye, as they famously said, and put trust in each other. Um, I always just thought that quote was really funny. Uh, But guys, what does this mean for the college football playoff as we look forward? Because in my opinion, I think expansion to 12 um, now seems inevitable because I think you're going to see the SEC now want as many at-large bids as possible. Like they've always said, they've always kind of wanted at least six um, with the expansion to 12. I think you now see the Big Ten is going to want the same thing because you feel like you have more powers that should be able to compete with SEC schools to win a national title. But I also think this really affects what we know in the Midwest as the goal for a lot of college football programs. And that's to make it to the Rose bowl and to compete against the winner of what was the PAC 10 or the PAC 12. And I think that's essentially gone now. I think that the PAC 12, I mean, heck guys, the, the team that hosts the Rose bowl essentially just, scorched earth on their own conference and left for the other side of the fence, right? Like what is your opinion on what the future of the college ball playoff is going to look like? And maybe even the effect this could have on new Year's six games and more specifically the Rose bowl, John, if you want to go ahead and start, I guess you can. Yeah. You, what, what I'm thinking is it depends on how much change we've got I, in a short term. Um, in the short term, you know, I don't, I don't know where exactly it goes, but I'm more looking at the long term. How many, how many schools are going to be added to these leagues? And I'm still just waiting for a, uh, either a couple superpower leagues or essentially maybe even they get together in one big league, one big league, and they just have their own playoff. And they're stealing all the money, they're stealing all the TV, and they're just locking everybody else out. And 
if I'm Notre Dame, that's what I don't want to get locked out from. So how quickly this moves, who knows, maybe the dominoes start falling real quick in the next weeks, months, you know, a year, maybe we have, maybe it all happens real quick. Maybe it drags out a little bit, but I, it, it hopefully in my lifetime before I'll, I'll be able to see it, but I think in a few years, 10 years, maybe there's going to be huge, huge leagues and they're going to have their own tournaments in, in basketball and football. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the NFL is already settled up for us, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I've said this time and again, if you want to really just, you got to break away from these, these college conventions, these traditions that, that in a lot of ways hold people back, hold institutions back, blow it all up. I mean, why, why not blow it up and create divisions like the NFL does? And you can schedule everybody together and have a playoff with, with eight teams or 16 or 12 teams, whatever. Um, really think outside the box here instead of being tied to these to these bowls and, and these conference affiliations. Um, <clears throat> we seem to be barreling toward two big leagues anyway, right? We're going to have like an AFC-type league and an NFC-type league. Yeah. You, you think back as a, you know, to when the AFL was, was coming up. I mean, I, I, was, I was just a baby then, but the AFL-NFL, right? And they finally merged and got together. Um, it's going to take a strong leader to, to, to make, make, maybe make that happen. But um, I think, first of all, this all has to settle down before we, we get into a playoff, don't you guys think? Um, <clears throat> I'd like to get to a playoff t- tomorrow. Um, I'm not a fan of the bowl games. These meaningless, these meaningless bowl games, um, they're leaving so much money on the table. But, again, that's an argument for another day. But I think, again, this all needs to settle down. The dust needs to settle we need to see what the sport looks like, I think, before we can really decide what the playoffs look like moving forward. But without a doubt, in my mind, the more teams, the better. Yeah, I, don't, I would rather not get into it. It's going to expand. There's no doubt it's going to expand. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get into a situation where you got to win 20 games to win the national championship. So that, that's going to be they, an issue. They, they're, they're paid athletes now. They're paid athletes now. I'm trying to figure that out. But it's also going to be – the, these long-term decisions, I think, are going to be decided less by the the NCAA than they are by a Power Three or a Power Four. You, you're going to see a pot, like a Power Four with a lot of autonomy and a lot of power, and they're, they're they're probably going to be the ones making most of the rules rather than rather than the NCAA. Well, I mean, we've kind of seen that with the NIL. <laughs> um, not only a lack of transparency, but not only are individual teams making their own rules, the conferences are trumping the NCAA. Um, and uh, Tom, I was surprised. I thought, I thought you'd be more uh, old school, traditional. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a young buck as well, but I grew up and I, I know the meeting, I, I just, I grew up like bowl games meant so much. And, uh, you know, I think as a player, a coach's kid, and you know, my, my feelings do not matter in this. I know at the end of the day, the bottom line and, uh, you know, the players and all this, but like the bowl game experience was what made being a college football player, like the gifts and all that stuff, but the gifts don't matter because the kids are getting paid now, I guess. So um, I just don't know what to think. I, I mean, I, I hate to see the bowl games go away. Did those go to, you know, your uh, lower relegated teams, like somebody mentioned, almost like soccer. Um, do people pay attention to them? I mean, you look in the stands at these games right now, there's nobody at them. 
Uh, they're making money off of the off of the, the TV contracts. Um, is there a way to have the best of both worlds? But if you go to a, a you know an expanded playoff, um, you know as a player, I'm not fired up about that. Um, as a coach, I'm not fired up about that. You want to make the, you want to make the games matter. You want to make the kids not skip bowl games. Make them make yep. them matter. No, I get make it. Playoff, make them a playoff game. I'm yep. I, I'm not going to lay my my career on the line to play a <laughs> 60 minute micronpc.com bowl against some six and six team. Just, just because ESPN needs to fill their 2 p.m. time slot on December 15th. I would also add. Man, who cares? I would also add to this the that, average player like me. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think there's always going to be a place for bulls. They can just be relegated to the, the Tulsa's of the world. The, the degenerates who want to bet on them, they can have them again, but it's going to be those, maybe those, those group of five type programs that go to them mostly. Yeah. Maybe still the, the teams that don't make the playoffs from the Big Ten and the SEC too. Maybe they'll still be a Almost level. Almost like the NIT. Yeah, exactly. Give them some bone to chew on. They can their fans can shake their pom pom and their coach and get yep. a bonus. Just do they they can work us out something like that, I guess. I would also like to add that I think that Bulls kind of maybe lost their luster compared to what they were, at least when you guys grew up watching them, right? Because like I think you guys grew up and you watched the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and there wasn't as many bowls, yep. right? Like Growing up, I've only known a world where there's been 30, 40 bowl games. And, Tom, you made a good point when you're talking about, like, the Micron PC Bowl. I could not tell you the last time a team that I followed played in that game. And, like, I just think that those games aren't as important to people because, like you said, it's just filling a TV slot on December 15th. And those games aren't as important to the players. They're not as important to fans. And, quite honestly – they're glorified exhi- exhibition games. I mean, what was, and I, I understand this might upset people, but what was the difference between Ohio State playing Utah in the Rose Bowl on January 1 or January 2 this past year and a glorified exhibition game? That's all that was. And I understand that that game was really entertaining. And Jackson Smith and Jigba has an all-time performance at the Rose Bowl that we're all going to remember forever. But that game meant nothing. What did they play for? They didn't play for anything of any significance. And I think that's kind of where this is going is that like these bowl games aren't as important. So that's the idea of maybe expanding the playoff to making the traditional bowl games matter more again, making the Rose bowl matter every single year, making the sugar bowl matter every single year. And that way you build up those games again. And yeah, you may lose some of, the desire to go play in the Texas bowl or the red box bowl or whatever other bowl games that these five and seven, six and six, seven and five teams are playing in. Because if you're six and six, you really deserve to go to a postseason bowl game. You're 500. That's not a good year. Like let's call a spade a spade. Like going 500 isn't very good at the end of the day. And I think expanding the playoff and making the traditional powerful bowl games a reward in a playoff game is kind of the goal of expanding the playoff and making the Rose Bowl matter every single year. One thing I would say about that, Alec, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but what I would say is that um, from a competitive standpoint, teams that are not going to the college football playoff, they want something to sell to their kids. They want something to sell to their recruits. 
And the, and if you've ever been on the road with a team that went to a bowl game, the players the players love the bowl experience. The the um, the companies that are running those bowls they roll out the red carpet for them. They get they get the cult, cultural thing out of the trip. You know, Illinois went to the bowl game in San Francisco, and that was a great trip for everyone. They got to spend some time doing tour stuff in the Bay Area. It was it was a great trip. Uh, and while the game doesn't mean a whole lot to the national audience, I think it means a lot to coaches that are that are trying to recruit players to their program and the, and the players enjoy the experience of going to a bowl game in the big picture. Maybe it doesn't mean a whole lot, but, but uh, to, to the players at programs like Illinois, I think it means quite a bit. I just see, you know, I'm kind of like Tom, I see them going with an American league and a national league and getting a, a, a superpower playoff and then maybe you know if there's 48 teams if there's if there's 36 teams whatever who, however many they've added up for those for these power leagues then I see then, then there's going to be the group of five and the rest of them they're going to have their own playoff then there's going to be one double a and then they have their own playoff there's going to be different levels of this and it's all going to be based on money but there's going to be different levels of playoffs too, just like there is in eight classes of football in the state of Illinois for preps. That's how it's going to be for, for college football and within 10 years. Yeah, it'll be, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I, I, I've just heard so many snares where, where these, these weekends, if they're set up like the NFL playoffs, the excitement and, and especially guys, if the games are on campuses, not these stupid neutral side bowl games, play a play a playoff game in Madison, Wisconsin, in, in late December, early January, play them on campuses too. The atmospheres would be electric, the ratings would be out of sight. Instead, you're taking these games, you're playing them in these neutral sites, and there's no meaning to them. Where you could have these playoff games on campuses. You want to talk about a memory? You want to talk about an experience? It would just be out of sight. And I think once this thing gets going for four or five years, people are going to look around and go, what the hell were we doing for the last <laughs> years? They really are. They really are. I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd. I always think to the NCAA basketball tournament, do you think they would, they would say, let's just trash this and we'll have a committee pick, pick six teams. They'll go play in one side. Then we're going to set up all these other random games across the country and call them tournament playoff games. They don't mean anything. They're just going to play these random games across the country. That's what college football is. These random games that mean absolutely nothing. And they got a set of about four that matter. It's just, it's, just, it's absurd. It's a scan that's been perpetrated for too long. Let's not forget too, that the, the actual games, the product on the field are just are as good as it's ever been. I think both, you know, both in football and in basketball. So they, they, the product is there to sell if they package it correct. If they package it correctly, they, they get the matchups that people care about. And like Tom said, you know, games make a lot more sense uh, on on college campuses than they do on neutral sites. I mean, wh why why are you playing a game between two teams that are not even from that area in a stadium where where maybe fifteen ten thousand people show up? It doesn't it doesn't make a lot. Do you think do you think the Green Bay Packers, the NFL, would, would say we're not playing this playoff game in Green Bay? We want to go play it in Albuquerque or something? No, but I would say that the, I would say that the Illinois athletic director would say let's not play a home game in Champaign. Let's go play it at some at the uh, at the uh, Soldier Field in Chicago with eight thousand fans. So <laughs> it's not as far you, well, as you might think. 
Can you imagine Alabama, Ohio State at Ohio State in January or something like that? Like, that would be the most insane. I mean, it would be the the closest thing to a Super Bowl that we've seen in college football, I think. But like, I just, I I don't know. Uh, I I'm traditional in in many senses of it, and I see it from a different perspective from a I don't know, coach's kid, player, coach. Like, um, you know, I remember, you know, uh, bowl game then, and uh, another something. Well, I can't remember how many practices we got, but you know, it it meant a lot more work. It meant a bonus. Um, but you know, the players weren't always fired up about it until they got to bowl week and they had a good old time. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's changing, and uh, just you know, Tom, you bringing up the the atmosphere at these these games and not these neutral sites, like you're going to see more tradition, more pageantry than you've ever seen. If you get one of these matchups that really matter, you know? Yeah. Guys, I do have crazy a fun one or two questions before we get out of here. We've all talked about different schools that we might like to see added to the big 10. So the conference is at 16 teams as it currently stands, or will be at 16 teams come 2024 in August. Let's say they want to get to an even 20, which has kind of been reported a little bit today. I know Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic reported that there's a general belief that the Big Ten and the SEC could get to 20 or 20 plus. So let's get the Big Ten to 20. What four schools would you add to the Big Ten in terms of, you know, entertainment, uh, obviously geography, if that's something that's so important to you in this case, um, you know, TV revenue, all of that kind of stuff. I'll go ahead and start it. I would love to see Notre Dame join. I would love to see uh, North Carolina and Duke join. And then as my fourth, I'll, uh, I'll include Oregon. I think giving another school out West is a good idea. Um, and Oregon, like I said a lot earlier, is kind of a growing brand. It's a, it's a strong brand. I think when you think about North Carolina and you get North Carolina and Duke, the state of North Carolina is pretty populated. You're talking about a pretty large brand and pretty large following on the basketball side, but obviously North Carolina Football is not a terrible brand. And then Notre Dame, I think, is one of the largest brands in college sports on the football or the basketball side. So if I'm getting the Big Ten to an even 20, I'm going to add Notre Dame along with North Carolina and Duke, and then I'm going to go out west for Oregon. Mm. Yeah, nice, nice choices, Alec, but I, I got to disagree with you, buddy. All right. Let's I, hear got, it. I, got, I got no That's time. what makes this fun. Yeah. You can't bring in Duke. I don't care about the basketball. Um, I like I like North Carolina and Notre Dame, no doubt about that. Um, big big coups that they got both those. To me, those are your those are your first two targets. I'm from the Big Ten. I like Washington more than Oregon. Okay. Um, I could live with Oregon though, believe me. I could take I could take Washington and Oregon, but I'll just take one. So I'm going to take Washington. Then I'm going to go down to San Francisco to get the Bay Area. I'm going to take Cal. So I got Washington, Cal, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Clint, you want to go? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Like, is this uh, – we can have anything? Or are we looking at current contracts? You can pick, Tulsa, and... you can pick Ball State. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> well, to me, I mean, Notre Dame, I think across the board, we're going no-brainer there, right? Um, you bring Notre Dame in, uh, I think for Notre Dame, it's a win. You know, do they have the exclusive rights anymore? No, but uh, they're probably not going to – you know – retain those anyways uh i think it makes their basketball program stronger as well if they come into this this mm -hmm. uh this power league so uh notre dame is is number one target for me 
uh, hasn't been brought. I, well, I've brought it up, but like Cincinnati, uh, to me, um, you, you target Cincinnati. They, uh, they've proven to be a powerhouse in basketball, maybe not right now, but over the years, um, they have had some, some very strong teams, obviously. Um, and football, I mean, it speaks for itself. You know, the, the, the product that they have put on the field with the resources that they have, and not saying that Cincinnati's short on resources, but they are going to bat with the big boys, not only on the field, but in recruiting now, uh, especially with them moving into the Big 12. So uh, I target Cincinnati. Um, and then, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, you got to, I guess you got to look uh, west. I, I love Tom's idea of Cal. I mean, you, you get a huge market. You get another uh, academic school to the academic conference of the Big Ten. Everybody's happy with that. Um, and then who's the wild card? Uh is it Arizona or Arizona State? I mean, money-wise, the Phoenix Valley, I'm sorry. Uh, I know Arizona State. <laughs> I know Arizona State doesn't fit the uh, – well, actually, since I left Arizona State, um, they've actually gone up in the academic rankings. But, um, you know, I can, I, vouch, uh, I, I can vouch for Mill Avenue. Uh, if you walk me down Mill Avenue, I'd, I'd sign with Arizona State in a minute, man. I wouldn't ask one question. Hey, um until you get to that first practice and it's like 120 degrees out, but um, you're a hundred percent right, Tom, 100% correct. So, but I, I just, I, you know, if we're looking at money, we're looking at, uh, you know, not regionalizing everything and we're looking at getting every big market. I'm thinking either Arizona or Arizona state, because that Valley, the Valley area outside of Texas is the fastest growing area in the U S and it is the third largest population in the U.S. You know, cities aside, just the Valley as a whole. Um, so I'm looking at one of those, or I'm looking at Georgia Tech, uh, just because of that Atlanta market. Uh, Atlanta, you know, obviously is a huge market, TV market, but even everything Atlanta, whether it's a national championship, whether it is their airport, I think it's the highest traffic airport in the U.S., I mean, people coming from different countries are coming to Atlanta. People from across the U.S. are going to Atlanta. Um, I really think you expose yourself to a larger market if you include an Atlanta area team into this. And who would that be? It'd be Georgia Tech. I don't think it's going to be Georgia State. So um, to me, that, that makes sense. You target one of the Arizona teams, one of the uh, Atlanta teams, Georgia Tech, and uh, you know, try to get Cincinnati and Notre Dame. Hmm. You know, um, when I when I look at, at the at who they're going to add, Notre Dame's always the first team everybody talks about. But I can't tell you how many times I've been at the Big Ten football media days, and the rumor was, "Hey, Illinois talking or the Big Ten's talking to Notre Dame. They're look, Delaney's trying to land Notre Dame." I mean, we wrote that three, four, five times, and it's sure Notre Dame is is the that's that's the that's the cherry out there. What is where's where's Notre Dame going to want to be are they going to want to they're going to want to join up with something in the big like the Big Ten or they want to go with the SEC I I still see uh, this big league this big superpower league trying to block everybody else out of the national championship playoff and they're going to try to force both these leagues are going to try to force Notre Dame's hand I I, I think Notre Dame will want to stay here in the Midwest and, and be with these schools, their, their, their people, so to speak. I don't think they want to go down there and try to play with the SEC. So I, I see them really trying to get Notre Dame. I'd like the idea of the Atlanta market. I, I think that is that, that 
Big Ten has always been about TVs and Big Ten is going to go after that TV market. And then after that, I see them going out west. I see them getting with the, the Seattle TV market and the San Francisco market, however you want to do it. They, they'll get they'll get Washington or they'll try to get Washington and they'll get Cal or Stanford, whichever one they want, which, whichever one breaks. So it's all about TVs with the Big Ten. And that's when I look at it, that's how it's going to grow. You guys are pretty smart. You took all the answers, but um, there's three things that I would look at. One, you have to, you know how the Big Ten is. You have to look at the entire athletic department of the school that you're going to add. You can't just look at the basketball program or the football program. You have to look at the academic re reputation of the school and if they, they fit in the Big Ten conference. And then I personally, I look at uh, geography because I would like to see uh, teams play teams within their own region. So that means adding more teams out west. And uh, Oregon is obviously the top team you'd look at, uh, Cal or Stanford in the Bay Area. And I think Cal would probably feel a little bit better than Stanford. And the, North Carolina uh, has everything that you would want mm -hmm. in the Big Ten Conference. Um, great sports program in just about every sport. Academics are good there. Uh, but the, the, the big question is, do you bring, can you bring North Carolina without bringing Duke? You know, who knows? But and then uh, and Notre Dame's a no-brainer. That's the first call that you make. I think I said that earlier. That, 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 I mean, that's the one that the Big Ten is going is is probably on the phone with today, uh, talking talking about coming to the conference and the le the leverage. It's, it's all about the leverage with them and their scheduling. You know, if they don't think that they can make the college football playoff and and not and not join one of the major power conferences, then they're going to jump to a conference and the Big Ten. Is going to be they're going to be at, want to be at the forefront of that. Mm -hmm. So I included Duke um, because, like Doug said, I think they're kind of tied at the hip with North Carolina. Like we kind of saw Texas and Oklahoma, and like we obviously saw with UCLA and USC um, in the last twenty four hours. But I, if you can move away from getting Duke separate of North Carolina, I think you do kind of do that. And I kind of like what Clint said with going to Arizona. I obviously like the idea of maybe going after a Virginia as well, another school that fits the academic profile of what the Big Ten's kind of looking for. All right, guys, last question I have for you, and this is kind of a fun one as well. Who wins a conference title first? USC football or UCLA basketball? Tom, we can start with you. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say USC football. I think um, – I know, I don't know UCLA's basketball tradition is obviously great, but I just think um, USC has been more relevant recently in football the last 20 years in UCLA hoops. I think Lincoln Riley being out there now, uh, plus being part of this, this new conference could really enhance their profile higher from a recruiting standpoint. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say USC football. And just thinking back those Pete Carroll days, what that program was back then, why can't Lincoln Riley replicate that? We know what that program looks like when it's humming. And they were the Alabama of 20 years ago. And um, UCLA basketball has never had a run like that, you know, really in our lifetime, going back to John Wooden era. So, again, give me, give me USC winning the football title before UCLA wins a hoop title in the Big Ten. What? I'm going to have to go really Tom on, this. Side on the football side because you're a football guy. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, shrink, I, I go straight to football on this. But the funny thing is I grew up a UCLA basketball fan for some reason. And uh, I was I still have an Ed O'Bannon jersey. Okay. Oh. So um, 
and I didn't care about basketball. I was horrible at it. Uh, I just, for some reason, liked UCLA. And, um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to side with Tom on this because uh, a couple factors. I mean, you talk about Lincoln Riley being at USC and all of a sudden they're part of this mega conference. And uh, anybody who knows anything about recruiting out in LA, um, they can roll out the red carpet in many different ways and they can bring out some, uh, some interesting people to help in assisting that when UCLA was good at football, um, you know, they had people like Tyra Banks at their uh, recruiting dinners. So uh, USC, especially with the legality of resources right now and what you can do and Lincoln Riley in place and the talent pool they have to pull from, I see you, uh, I see USC uh, winning it before UCLA, especially uh, with, you know, even if we get to a, a larger playoff with football, you have a week to prepare for a team, two weeks to prepare for a team, the NCAA tournament. You never know what's going to happen in basketball. Yeah. You got a day to turn around. Anybody can beat anybody, a lot yeah. of momentum. Um, and so for me, uh, 11 on 11 game, uh, there's a lot more predictability than there is with the, the tournament uh, style five on five NCAA. And I'm going to go with USC winning a championship before UCLA. All right. I guess that leaves it to me. Hell with you guys. I'll take UCLA <laughs> basketball. All right. You were talking about in the lifetime stuff. I'm old enough to, to know. I, I saw John Wooden. I saw I saw I would watch TV and watch Lou Alcindor beat Purdue's ass real bad when they had Rick Mount. <laughs> but you know, look, look at how many look at how many titles that UCLA has won with all these different coaches. So what the heck? Mick Cronin can do it again. He can do it, too. And. Sure, it take USC's got a lot of money, but UCLA is going to have a lot of money for basketball as well. And it only takes a, a, a three or four highly paid guys to win a national championship in basketball. So I'll take UCLA basketball. Well, John, you're on your own. Uh, I'm going to go with USC football, and it to me it comes down to style of play, right? For UCLA basketball, West Coast basketball is a little bit different than the Big Ten. Big Ten is is a little more physical. I think 18 conference games in the Big Ten is going to be pretty rugged. UCLA is going to be very successful, I think, in the Big Ten. Um, but but it, that first year is going to be a little bit of shock to their system with the physical style play in the Big Ten. And then I think bringing USC to the Big Ten is going to be a shock for the Big Ten when they see the, the speed, the team speed. And uh, outside of Ohio State and and uh, maybe Michigan, there's not, there's not a tremendous amount of speed in the Big Ten. And uh, we saw when Illinois went out to play USC in the Rose Bowl many years ago before Alec was born that that the speed is just a little bit different there than it is so that it's going to come down to style of play and I think USC is definitely going to win a conference title before the UCLA basketball. Hey I was around on January 1st 2008 when I watched John David (laughs) Booty and the rest of the USC Trojans give Illinois some work. Uh, I'm actually going to sign with John on this one and say UCLA basketball gets one first. Uh, I do think that UC, USC football can do it um, if Lincoln Riley recruits some good players in the trenches, which I think is kind of the biggest question mark about how successful he makes that program. Uh, Clint can obviously attest to what he's doing down there with the recruiting. You guys should read his stuff because he'll definitely give you some more information on how they're doing on that. But I'll side with you, UCLA. I think their style could actually help the Big Ten modernize the way they play basketball, kind of what we're seeing <laughs> Illinois try to do this offseason moving away from having a center 
and kind of post up a lot and kind of anchored to the paint defensively. I think kind of spacing and everything that UCLA has been able to accomplish the last few years can pose some problems for Big Ten teams, kind of the opposite of what Doug said, but that's kind of interesting that we're on opposite wavelengths. But I do agree that USC's speed on the football field could pose problems for Big Ten teams. But yeah, I, I think that's a really fun question, and hopefully some people chime in um, on social media about where they side on who wins a Big Ten title first. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Orange and Blue News podcast. We appreciate it. Hopefully all you listeners were able to learn something or maybe even took away something or maybe you have some crazy opinion that you can share about conference realignment and everything. But thanks for listening, everyone. I'm sure there's going to be another one of these because the Big Ten doesn't seem to be done just yet.